mentioned uh, a statement from last week that uh, that faith promises is a is, is really nothing more than our faith responding to God's promises, and that that just kind of uh, jumped in my spirit last Sunday when Pastor John Kimball from Matthew 25 was speaking. And, and so today we're going to start a month-long series on God's promises to you and me in the Bible. You know what, guys? This Bible, this book right here, is full of promises. Okay? I don't know about you, but there's a few light verses that I've taken a hold to. Jeremiah 29 11 is one of them, that God knows the plans He has for me. Um, plans to prosper me, not to harm me, to give me a hope in the future. By the way, you'll hear more about that in this series. Also, one of the light verses is Philippians 4 13 that says, I can do what? Hayden? All things through Christ who gives me strength. That is something that should encourage us. That's something that should encourage you as you go to the plate this year in baseball. But that should encourage you as you go to the free throw line in basketball, okay? By the way, I want to give a shout out to my son. He uh, they just had senior night at Berwick High School. He is one of the seniors on the Berwick High basketball team. And I haven't been able to say this all year. They're on a two-game winning streak. So give one of them a great big old hand. He is actually, uh, I think, second on the team in scoring. Uh, are you? You and Blaine are really, really close. But oh, okay, you are. I'm number two. Blaine, number three. He's second on the team in scoring and first on the team in rebounds and block shots. So he's really, really doing well. We're really proud of it. And uh, again, great job, Hunter. But here's the deal, guys. I want to remind you that, that this book, this Bible, is full of promises. Okay, and it is imperative that you and I, as believers, grab a hold of some of these promises. Amen. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some of God's promises. And I do want to say thank you for, to those of you who have helped make this message possible because I put a little question on our Facebook page, our, our little family Facebook page, saying, what are some of your favorite promises? Okay? So you've helped me. Now, i got to tell you, you might have saw my comment after about a day or two. I said, now look, guys, this is a series, so I need more. Okay? Because <laughs> you gave me like three responses. So if you haven't already done so, go to our church Facebook page. If you haven't liked our Facebook page, please go do so. But uh, there's a little question on there. What are some of your favorite promises from God's Word? But today I want us to look at three different promises. Because, again, it is imperative that we believe what the Bible says about you and me. It is imperative that you and I believe we are who God says we are. Amen? You know what? The only way you can know something to be a lie is if you know what the truth is. Amen? This Bible is full of the truth. There's a lot of lies going around these days. You watch the news, you'll see lies. You listen to politicians long enough, you'll hear lies. Okay? But the truth lets you know what a lie is. Amen? Young people, read the Bible. Know what the truth is so that years from now, when somebody's trying to say you're lying, Joshua, the great leader of the children of Israel, is coming to the end of his life. And he's kind of just given a 
summary, this is kind of a part of the Bible where he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And, um, but, but in that same statement, he makes a statement in verse number 14. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua 23, 14, find it on your Bible app, on your phone, whatever. There's a promise that I want us to, uh, uh, just a reminder, a statement made by Joshua at the end of his life that I want us to look at. Joshua chapter number 23, verse number 14. Now again, Joshua's at the end of his life. He knows he's about to pass on. He, he, he's seen God. He's seen God move when Moses was in charge. He saw God move through the time in the wilderness. He saw God deliver them into the promised land. He saw them get great victory after victory. And in verse number 14, he writes, Now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Basically, he says, I'm about to die. You know with all your heart and soul, he's speaking to the children of Israel, but he could really be speaking to us. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises of the Lord your God gave you has failed. Did somebody get that? Listen to what Joshua says. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Well, that's good stuff. Is, it, is this on? I thought this was in a Pentecostal church. Not one promise has failed. The man Joshua said, God has not failed us. Not one time, God. Every promise he made us as his children, every declaration he made that we can do this, we can win victory, we can do all these things God says we can do. Not one promise, Joshua said, failed. Guys, I want to remind you, that's the backdrop of this sermon series. That is the backdrop. That is the kind of credibility that this sermon series has, not because of me as a preacher, but because of where it's coming from. These promises are not a man's promise. Anybody ever been promised by a man and he didn't come through? You ever had somebody tell you one thing and do something else? Anybody at all? No, we've had that happen before, right? The Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie. When God says he's going to do something, he intends to do it. Amen? And Joshua, a man of great experience, a man who served the Lord all of his life, told the children of Israel as he was coming to the end of his life, sustainably, not one promise from the Lord failed. Not one time did he not keep his word. And I want to encourage you today, guys, as we begin this sermon series, this thing could change your life. If you begin to realize that God intends to do what he says he can do, that God is able to do what he says he can do, and that God loves you and has a plan for your life greater than you could ever imagine, I promise you it 
you to just amen me and get excited, even though you're welcome to do that. I want you to take those promises with you as yours and live them out and act accordingly and start making a difference in this area and in this community and for the kingdom of God like God wants us. Amen? So let's get started. Let's get started. The first promise I want to talk to you about this morning is, is probably the greatest promise of them all. And it's a very simple promise. God loves you and me. God loves us. Let that sink in. And I think sometimes we miss the, the wonder of that simple statement. And I think a great theologian was once asked, what's the greatest thing you ever read in the Bible? And, and he quoted a little simple song. Um, God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. The Bible told me so. Okay? Guys, we need to be reminded that God loves us. First John 4 reports two times, two times that God is love. It is one of his main characteristics. It's a main characteristic of the Lord, and it is the characteristic, I believe, that motivates everything else. It is his love that motivates everything else. I believe that his love for you and I motivates every other promise that I'm going to share with you this morning and for the next few Sundays. It's his love for us that changes everything. Amen? A couple of uh, scriptures to illustrate. Romans chapter number 5. Romans chapter number 5. I love the book of Romans. In fact, if you haven't had a chance on Wednesday nights, we're doing a study in the book of Romans. Some really good stuff. Ever come check us out on a Wednesday night? Please do so. We have youth, we have rangers, we have missionaries, we have stuff for all ages, and then those old folks get together with you. But, but Romans chapter number five. By the way, I just called myself old folks, so it's okay. Romans chapter number five, verse number eight. I love this scripture. The NIV says this: But God demonstrates His own love for us in this: while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let that sink in, guys. God didn't wait for us to clean up our act. He didn't wait for us to get our act together. He didn't wait for you to start coming to church. He didn't wait for you to stop cussing. He didn't wait for you to stop drinking. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He made provision because he knew we couldn't do it ourselves. He made provision because he knew we needed him. God's love demonstrated to you and I, that's why Jesus had to come. Amen? God sent his only son, Jesus. Why? Because he loves you. God demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Continue in Romans chapter number 8. And by the way, this is, it's, it's okay for you to shout. It's okay for you to get a little excited because I love this portion of Scripture. Paul writes in Romans chapter number 8, beginning with verse number 35, Who shall separate us from the love of God? He asks the question. Who or what shall separate you from the love of God? Let me show you how powerful and how strong God's love for you is. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written for your sake, we, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are what? More than conquerors. Through him who loved us. Paul says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor any other thing in all creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I get an amen? The question is a real simple one. What can separate us from the love of God? 
You know, but that scripture stopped right there. This wouldn't get very encouraging message, now would it? If we just said the wages of sin is death, if you sin, you die. Okay, where are you going with that one, Pastor? But that's only half the scripture. The rest of the scripture is shouting ground. The rest of the scripture is what I'm talking about today. The rest of the scripture is a promise from God. But the gift of God is eternal life. How many like gifts? How many like good gifts? Anybody in here ever got bad gifts? Yeah, I know. We've all got bad gifts. Okay. A couple, a couple months ago, we do our little Christmas parties around here. We do the Christmas gift exchange, and everybody gets a bad gift sometimes. Okay. And nobody likes a bad gift. Okay. I remember one time, I think it was some, I, I got, I got some lotions and some, some nail polish stuff. What am I going to do with that? Okay. And then I was counting. I think Sister Garland took it from me. Thank you, Sister Garland. I love you. Thank you for taking that gift from me. But look, we get good gifts, we get bad gifts. The greatest gift ever given us was Jesus. Eternal life is the greatest gift there ever was. I've said this before. God did not do one more good thing for you and me. He's already done enough. Just remind he's already done enough. He's made a way for us to go to heaven. We didn't deserve it, but he still made a way. If he didn't do one more thing, if I didn't have one more promise to preach to you, he already done enough. Because he's made a way for us to go to heaven. He's made a way for us to spend all of eternity with him. But guys, not only does he have this promise, but he's got thousands more. Amen? Literally, this could be a sermon series that never ended. This could be a sermon series that went on and on and on. Why? Because God's promises go on and on and on. And he planned on keeping those promises. Amen? So guys, I just want to remind you today that God loves you. God has made a way for you to be saved. God has made a way for your salvation and your forgiveness of sins. Turn with me to Romans chapter number 10, beginning in verse number 9. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified. It is with the mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone, say everyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a promise, guys. It's a promise of salvation. And it's a promise that God intends to keep. If you do your part, he'll do his. If you confess, if you serve the Lord, if you do things right, he promises that there's a blessing coming your way. Ephesians. I wanted to start in verse number 8, but man, Ephesians chapter number 2 is just too good. So I want to start reading in verse number 1. Ephesians chapter number 2, beginning with verse number 1. Paul kind of tells our story in just a nutshell. He says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Remember those days? Verse 3. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Let me say that again. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his 
that those believe are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Friends, we're saved by grace. Amen? If our faith in the truth of this gospel, in the truth of why Jesus came to this earth, that saves our souls. Amen? And this forgiveness of sins is not just a one-time thing. But whenever you stumble or fall, there's a promise for you in 1 John 1 and 9. You know what, guys? I don't know about you, but I've, I've had to lean on his forgiveness more than once. Anybody else? Okay? In fact, I've been to lean on his forgiveness this week a couple times. Anybody else? Okay? I don't, I probably had to lean on it this morning, too. Okay? I mean, again, we all stumble, don't we? We all fall. Now, this is not a license to sin. This is not a license to do your own thing, okay? But here's the key. It doesn't matter how many times you fall, as long as you get back up one more time and you fall. Amen? And 1 John 1 and 9 is a promise that will help you keep getting back up. If we confess our sins, he is what faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what I tell my boys all the time? It's not what you've done, it's what you do now. It's not what you've done, it's what you do now. It's okay? When you stumble, when you fall, when you say something you shouldn't say, and we can't even do way too much wrong. Okay? When we think something we shouldn't think, don't even go there for Okay? When, when, sometimes we just act out. Sometimes we just act out. Anybody in here? Sometimes we just do and say, and, and, and we don't want to, but we do. First John 1 and 9 is for you. If we confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God, that is a promise that will help you get back up. Amen? That is a promise that will help you keep going. I am thoroughly convinced the only way for you to lose out with God is to quit. You say that again. The only way for you to lose out with God is to quit. It's to throw in the towel and say, I'm done. To tap out. Okay? That's the only way for you to lose out with God. Why? Because He loves you with an everlasting love. He's made a promise of salvation. He's given you a promise of forgiveness of sins. And He plans to keep His promise. And you just got to do your part. Amen? Guys, we have a God who loves us. We have a promise of salvation and a promise of forgiveness of sins. And this is going to get some of y'all excited. This is the part that some of you uh, mentioned in our Facebook post. And this promise, this great promise of salvation is not just available to you, but it's available to your loved ones. It's available to your family members. It's available to your co-workers based upon the promise of 2 Peter 3 and 9. God is not slack concerning his promises toward us, but long-suffering, patient, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. 2 Peter 3 and 9, write it down. That's a promise you need to pray. Guys, when I came to faith some 20 years ago, I started praying that prayer over my loved ones. I started praying that prayer over my family members. For all practical purposes, I was the spiritual patriarch of my family. When I got saved, I was the only one. Okay? But I began to pray this promise. I began to find promises in this Bible, and I began to hang on to them, Don. And I realized that God didn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And that included my family. That included my parents. That included my aunts and my uncles. And I began to pray that prayer and remind God of His promises. And you need to do the same thing. Some of you have forgot the promises of God. Some of you have forgot that He said, this is what I will do for you. You are my child. There's nothing too difficult for me. Begin to remind Him of His promises. One more time, and you'll watch him come to pass. Amen? And this is a promise you need to pray. This is a promise you need to hang on to. I mean, know somebody who's not saved. I mean, know somebody who's not serving the Lord today. I mean, know somebody who needs to be at church with you today. Pray this prayer over. 
pray this promise. Claim this promise. Lord, you don't want them to perish. You want all to come to repentance, including my loved one. One more story before I close. Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16 tells a great story about a family that got saved. It tells an amazing story about how God is able to do some pretty miraculous things. So if you've got unsaved loved one, this story is for you. Acts chapter number 16, we're going to begin with verse number 25. Paul and Silas got in a little trouble, so they were in jail. They were in trouble, got in jail. Uh, they, they were in a bad spot, okay? Now, their trouble wasn't the kind of trouble we used to get into, baby. Their trouble was doing the right thing. They got in trouble for doing the right thing. In verse number 25, it says this. About midnight, Paul and Silas began praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and said, Sirs, must, what, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Now, fast forward to verse number 34. The jailer brought them, Paul and Silas, back into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole God has made provision and has made a provision for your whole family to be saved. Amen? It starts with you. It starts with you believing. It starts with you doing right. It starts with you doing what God has told, told you to do. Because God plans on touching people's lives. God doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And that includes your husband. That includes your wife. That includes your prodigal son or daughter. That includes that grandchild who's acting a fool this morning. It includes all of them. You've got to believe. Amen? Do you believe? Do you believe? It's up to us to believe. These first two promises of God's love and His promise of salvation and forgiveness of sins lead me to this final promise that I want to close with this morning. God's promise of peace. God's promise of peace. Peace is defined as freedom from disturbance, tranquility. Synonyms include calm, calmness, quiet, Quietness, restfulness, stillness, harmony, goodwill, order. Anybody in here could use some of that? <laughs> Anybody in here could use some of that? Any of you need that at work tomorrow? Any of you love to take some of that to work in the morning? Peace is a promise to you and I. It's a part of a promise of the number six blessing that I've prayed over you for so many times, God. It's that little simple prayer that I pray at the close of so many services. Let me read it to you. Numbers chapter number 6, verses 24 through 26. It's, um, it's Moses' blessing over the people, and, and, it, and it has a promise in it. Look at it. Verse number 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you what? Peace. Peace. Psalms 29, 11 says the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. It, prays to, it pays to be God's people. It pays to be on God's side. It pays to be on the winning team. Amen? In Isaiah chapter number 9, 
one of the names of Jesus Christ is Prince of Peace. The Bible says, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus promised peace in John chapter number 14. Let me read it to you real quick. John chapter number 14, verse number 27. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. You see, this final promise has, has a lot to do with God setting you free from fear. When that fear goes, it needs to be replaced with something. Peace is a pretty good thing to replace it with. Amen? Jesus said, I've given you peace. I don't give like the world gives. I don't give and try to take it back. I give it to you and I give you some more. Amen? Peace, peace, wonderful peace. And Paul taught us how to get it and how to keep it. Turn with me to Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4. We're getting in verse number 6. Verses number 6 and 7 tell us how to get peace. Verses 8 and 9 tell us how to keep it. Let's start with verse number 6. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Hey, worry words, let me read this again for you. Do not be anxious about anything. The King James says, don't worry about anything. Do not be anxious about everything, anything, but in everything, say everything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You know, I've shared with you that this year we need to pray more and worry less. We need to believe more and worry less. We need to give our requests to God. We need to make them known to God in prayer. The Bible says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Look at verse number 7. There's a promise coming. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guys, that peace that goes beyond all understanding is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I used to talk about this thing, and I used to preach on this, and, and then this summer with the passing of my father, I walked in this, and I'll never be the same. The peace that goes beyond all understanding, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to anybody else, it, it, but it makes all the sense to God. Because it's a part of his character being deposited into you. And the peace that goes beyond all understanding will keep you, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's how you get peace. And how many know it's easy to get something, it's hard to keep something. Okay? It's hard to it's hard to get a hold of it's tough to grab a hold of something, it's even harder to hang on to that thing. Okay, peace is one of those things, okay? If any of you have ever seen my cat, he's not the most cuddly thing in the world, okay? So when you get a hold of him, he's hard to hang on to. Okay, in fact, I like to tell my wife, hey, look how cute he is. She says, let go of him. See what happens. And I let go of him, he gone. Okay? And it's kind of like that with peace sometimes. We get a hold to it, and we think we like it, and we're cuddling it, and next thing you know, it's jumped out of our hands. But you know what? You can get peace, and you can keep peace, and here's the way to do it. Verse number 8, Paul says, finally, brothers... Whatsoever is true, whatsoever is noble, whatsoever thing is right, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. You see, guys, what you think about is important. What you keep your mind upon is important. Sometimes our mind goes places it not, ought not go. We need to ask the Lord to cleanse our thoughts. We need to make up our mind to take every 
this morning about three promises from the Word of God. Three promises from God to you and to me. God's love for us that led Him to send His only Son, Jesus, from heaven to earth to provide salvation for all mankind, to provide forgiveness of our sins each and every time that we confess our sins and ask Him. And there's something about when you have your sins forgiven, when you're right standing with God, when you're close to the God of peace, 